0: Praise God if you would turn to Luke chapter 7 and read several verses there, beginning with verse 1, Luke 7, verse 1, now when he had ended all his sayings, in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die, and when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him The elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not, when he was now not far from the house, The centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to his house, found the servant whole that had been sick. You may be seated. I want to minister to you on this subject today, centurions of faith. Centurions of faith. I have never spoken on this subject ever in my life. This was brand new this morning. There will be some things that I have direction that will be a part of this, but... uh, not this direction. Since this is Veterans Day, I am more comfortable saying this than I would uh, in a regular church service. Um, There really are only two classes of people in this country. Those who have served, and everybody else called civilians. Well, that's kind of, I don't understand that, preacher, what that sounds a little bit precious. No, it's just you can't tell somebody what it's like to be in the military who's never been in the military. I don't care how well you describe it. You can't. It's not possible. But its it's a different world. It's a different life. That's why most people that have served in the military who become uh, children of God, saints of God, have a lot less struggle with the concepts of the word of God than do the people who have never served. And... and, uh, I'd like to point out some of those differences today so that you can appreciate them. Because the problem is, whether you've served in the military or you've never served in the military, those concepts are expected by God for all of us. See, like many in this room, for me personally, it took place on the 5th of June, 1968. America was at war. And after four years of what I thought was hard, uh, we were all about to embark on the purpose for which we were trained. I had some classmates that I spent four years with who uh, were dead in six months in Vietnam. Four years of training, and they didn't just survive six months. Because, you see, here's the thing. We all understood that when we stood there that day, just around noon when the graduation ceremonies were all over and we had to stand and take the oath, we understood that we weren't just pledging to serve. We were committing to die if necessary. We understood... That at that moment our lives were not our own. That we were going to go where we were sent. That we were going to do what we were told to do. And if in the best interests of this country. And its continued freedom. That meant we were sent some place that we would not return from alive. We were making all of that commitment that day. Now. If you've never made that kind of commitment. You can imagine what's that like. That What that's like all you want. But you can't possibly imagine it. Because you see for every one of us. It didn't stop at that commitment. Every one of us had in our possession. A set of orders. To go someplace. That was probably not of our choosing. To do a job that was according to the needs of the service, not our preferences. And we understood, because we had pledged to do so, to obey all lawful orders by those in authority over us. We didn't sit around and figure out, now what's this guy's motives? Why is he telling me this? What's in this for him? We didn't do that. Because as a 22-year-old ensign, that's the lowest rank in the Navy, you go into a ship, on board ship, you go into a squadron, there are guys there that are old enough to be your dad. That are... 25-year veterans, that when they see you, they have to pop the salute. That, that Something in your mind, it doesn't compute, you see. It doesn't compute that someone old enough to be my dad should have to salute me until I understood, and I will admit that some, I had an advantage because my birth certificate says Naval Air Station, Pensacola, Florida Hospital. And I was raised in it. It it was that's what life was to me. What was said today? I don't know what's worse. Being on the pier waving by or being on the ship leaving. Experience both of those. Neither one of them's fun. In some ways, no offense, but I think it's harder on those, for those on the pier because the guy that's on the ship, they got him doing so much that you don't have a lot of downtime to, to, you know, you, you can avoid thinking about, I'm not home and I'm not seeing my loved ones. But the ones on that pier, when the ship is out of sight, you, you can't stand there any longer. Now you got to slowly make your way back to the car. And get in the car to go home to a house that feels very empty right now. Now, Mama's there. My brother was there. But the house is empty. I, I know over the years there's a lot of people just doesn't understand what makes me tick. But you got to understand something. I've never had a, the opportunity in my life to do what I wanted to do. I never had the opportunity to run my life by my desires. Because before I ever got out of the military, I was already committed to God to obey His call. So I can't relate to people that think you can have faith and run your own life. And I realize over the years, people have had a hard time with me. Because, well, you don't understand me. I don't want to understand you. I don't want to understand people that live for themselves. Because the point is, none of us has that privilege. We just think we do. We don't have that privilege. And and, and, and when Jesus said, you can't, under and, and took, unless you've studied the culture and the times in which Jesus made this statement, you can't understand how offensive it would be to the Jews to say that this Gentile Roman army officer, who wasn't just a soldier, he was in charge of a large detachment of men whose responsibility was to, Keep Rome's authority over the Jews in whatever area that was, this being the city of Capernaum. And for Jesus to say, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. For those that are open and honest-hearted and objective, the first thing you want to do is you want to look and say, Okay, okay. If I want to have faith in God, and I want to walk with God in faith, then I need to ask myself the questions. What is it specifically about this individual that Jesus is equating to great faith? I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. What is it about that? What is it about that man? What is it about... What is it that makes this man be able to have great faith when all these people that are children of Abraham didn't have that great faith? What's the difference? What's the difference? Now, I understand here today, if you're just trying to keep your eternal life insurance premiums paid by coming to church because it's Sunday so that you can live your way the rest of the week, this message is not going to be good news for you. It's not. I'm so, sorry. I, you know, I'm not an evangelist. Evangelists preach good news. Okay? If your desire is to live for yourself, doing what you want to do, and still somehow believe you're saved, this is not going to be good news for you today. Here's the first thing that Jesus recognized about this man. He understood authority. Now, in my 73, almost coming up on 74 years here in a couple of months, I can say to you that there's never been a time in the history of this country where people understood and accepted authority less than today. Somehow we think it's the role of authority to create all these safe spaces where I'm never challenged, I never have to take any risks, and everything is going to be okay for me all the time. How many times Brother Joel, in your 22 years, did your those in authority over you put you in a place where your life was at risk? Because authority above them said they had to do that. Uh, yes. Brother, you was a Marine Corps captain over a company of men. How many times? How many times were you at risk, Brother Middleton served in the army. How many times were you at risk, Brother Jetty? Served in in the navy. How many times, and Brother? You know, you may not think of the Coast Guard fighting a war, but who you think is the primary warriors against all the drug trafficking? How many times, Brother Brother uh, Trombley, have you been on board a ship where the whole thing was put at risk, Pardon? or at airplanes? Right, lives at stake. Why? Because there's a cause bigger than yourself. There's something more important than just you. So it's not hard. It really isn't hard to be focused. Because once you recognize there's something more important than you. It's not hard to be focused. It's not hard to be. It's not hard to be. And I realize I have an advantage. I've never known any other life. But neither have I desired one. I have not desired another life where I could autonomously make all my own decisions and answer to nobody. I've never desired to be there. Because you see, the way this centurion said it Tells us everything. He did not say, I have authority also. He didn't say, I have authority. The, the, the the verb have is possessive. He didn't say, I possess authority. He said, I'm a man set under authority. The word set there means to arrange in an orderly fashion. In other words, by those above him, he was placed in a position of authority. It was delegated to him. He did not possess it. It was delegated to him. And then... (laughs) He had soldiers under him that he said go and come. And they did what he said. He had a servant. He said do this and he did that. So he said those that obey me. Don't obey me because of who I am. and, And what I can do to them. He... They obey me because they recognize that there's authority greater than me, and the authority I 'm using is not mine and so when this centurion, if you read the Matthew version of this, uh, it says that it was him that came, but in the Luke version, he didn't come at all; he sent other people, but Matthew when when the Spirit of the Lord wrote this the story in Matthew, it was written from the perspective. That those who went representing him were as if he himself came. But Luke tells us why he, didn't, he himself didn't go. He wasn't worthy to go. That's what he felt. Why? Why? Because that great faith he had was great faith that recognized who Jesus was. Why did he? Why did Jesus say, "There's not been so great faith"? No, not in Israel, because he. While it doesn't, doesn't say it here, and I don't know that the, the that the centurion here in Capernaum is the same the same uh, uh, centurion in Acts chapter ten named Cornelius. I don't know if they're the same, but they have very similar faith and they have a very similar spirit. And, and but here's the fa- here's the deal, the, the the Jews came to Jesus to plead the cause of this Gentile who was not wanting anything for himself, but he had a servant that was sick and dying, and he appealed to Jesus to heal that because Jesus had said at that time his ministry was not to the Gentiles, it was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and yet. The Jews came representing this man to Jesus. And they they said, he's worthy. The man says, I'm not worthy to come to Jesus. And I'm not worthy for you to come in my house. But the Jews said to Jesus, please do for him. Do this request for him because he is worthy. Because he loves our nation. And he's built us a synagogue. Now... What is that really telling you? That's telling you that as Paul would later teach us, this Gentile had become a believer in the God of the Jews. But he recognized something they did not. He recognized that Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth was Christ the Messiah. Because here's this carpenter from Nazareth. This Roman army officer says, I'm not worthy to come in your presence or to have you in my house. Who in the world says that? To a carpenter. No offense. Who says that? Why would they, why would he say that? Because he recognized this was not a carpenter. This was the Messiah. He, As a man who lived in the dimension of authority every day both taking orders from above and having to pass those orders on he recognized authority when he saw it heard it felt it. Now in uh, 49 years of ministry in this church this past September was 49 years I can tell you that a lot of good people have come through our doors but I'm going to tell you where the dividing line has been consistently the symptoms may seem different but the dividing line is always the same I'm not letting that man tell me what to do I don't want to tell you what to do I got more to do than run your life. I got stuff to pray for for myself. I don't want to run your life. Oh, but there are orders from above. And they are written orders. Yes, there are written orders. It's called the word of God. And Having been set under authority, that puts me in the place where I either displease the one who set me in this place of authority or displease the ones that are supposed to be following that authority. I got a choice to make. Am I going to say things that you're going to like or am I going to say what he's saying to say? That's the choice because I've heard, I've learned the hard way. It's impossible to do both impossible. It's impossible to do both. If I'm saying stuff you want to hear I'm saying stuff he didn't tell me to say. Why? See that stuff? You may not have any but I got plenty of it. And I'm not talking about naturally speaking. I'm talking about flesh. And flesh wants what it wants. When it wants it, how it wants it, flesh wants pleasure and no pain. Flesh wants to be accommodated, and uh, and and submitted to. It does not want to do the submitting. Okay, and uh, so that, there's a problem. There's a problem. Thankfully, as Brother Jolin was kind enough to point out, there's a whole lot less of me here now than there used to be by the grace of God. But, but still it didn't matter. It doesn't really, I've, I've learned, I'm, I figured out a long time ago when I was skinny, uh, years ago, uh, my needless to say, the guy that said, I do some 51 years ago, uh, is not the person she's married to now. I'm going to tell this on her. She's not in the room. That's her fault for going to visit the kids. But she t- said to me, now, I'm really happy you're losing weight. I, I, I was concerned for you, so I'm really happy you're losing weight, but I didn't marry a skinny man. Well, I'm thankful her, her memory is that short because I weighed 185 pounds when we got married. And while I wasn't technically skinny, relatively speaking, and I said, well, I tell you what, let's make a deal. When I've lost enough for you, you will say that's enough. And trust me, I'll be happy to quit there. (laughs) Wherever that is, I'll be happy to quit. So, uh, you know, flesh is flesh. Everybody's got it. But the problem is, what are we going to do with it? I can't answer for you. <laughs> I can't answer for you. You don't answer for me. While the Bible says we're to submit ourselves one to another, we all know that no matter how much we give ourselves to one another and submit ourselves to one another, ultimately, I cannot submit to you to the point that I give up my accountability for myself. I need to say that again because some of y'all didn't hear it. I felt it. You didn't hear it. I cannot, I cannot submit to anybody to the point that I give up responsibility and accountability for myself where I can reach the place I blame what I do or don't do on somebody else. And you know what's so amazing to me? I watch people get offended. And then, of course, they don't obey the word of God because they don't do with that offense what the word of God tells them to do. But then their offense actually deceives them into thinking that they can blame their current life on somebody else, what that person did or didn't do. That's not going to work. This doesn't work. Okay. So this centurion understood authority. He understood orders. Now, you can take the Bible and read it as a love letter, and it is that. You can take the Bible and read it as a manual of life, and it is that. You can take the Bible and read it it from many perspectives because the Word is all of that to us and far, far more. But it is also the written orders of the Creator God. And I'm either going to obey those orders... Or I'm not going to obey those orders, and forgive me, please, if uh, if it's offensive to you, for you to be for it to be pointed out to you that that's exactly what the word of God is. But it's exactly what the word of God is. And let me let me just demonstrate that to you just a minute. If you will go to uh, Matthew chapter seven and verse twenty one, uh, let's just see. Let's, let's let Jesus talk about this a little bit, okay? Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, that's, that's challenging. It's a matter-of-fact statement. He said what he meant. He meant what he said. But when he goes on to explain it, it gets scary. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, what day? Not the day he's speaking here now, but the judgment day. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Now let me tell you who these people are. First of all, the Bible says, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 14, I think it is somewhere in there, that no man can call him Lord except by the Holy Ghost. So you, if you're calling him Lord, and of course the Greek word Lord means supreme ruler. Over whom? The universe alone? The earth by itself? The seasons? Is that all he's supreme ruler over? Is he your Lord? Is he your supreme ruler? I, I just, I just want to feel better about myself. I just want to go to church and feel good and go home feeling good, wonderful. Uh, but you better check the end product of that because it may not get you where you say you want to go. It may not because these people obviously in that day they were people who had had the baptism of the holy ghost another reason i know that's the case because they prophesied they cast out devils and they did the king james says many was it many wonderful works the greek is literally many mighty miracles So they didn't, they had, they had a power in them that was not themselves. Because you can't prophesy through your own humanity. You can't cast out devils by your own authority. And you can't do miracles by your own strength and ability. So they obviously had the Holy Ghost. And because of the emphasis they put on the name, in thy name, we Prophesied. In thy name we've cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. That's the kind of emphasis on the name that people who have been water baptized in the name and had that name put on them puts on as emphasis on the name. Oh, but let's read Jesus' words. Verse 23. Then in that day, Will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, if I was in another church that was able to have other services. And I and I knew that today was primarily just an evangelistic service. I would acknowledge to you, this is not necessarily a message that I would preach in an evangelistic setting, but since this is it, and I'm following orders, I was in. A, I got a call about a month ago from a district superintendent friend of mine. He said, he said. Brother Wright, he said, uh, I, we ha- we're going to have a marriage retreat coming up, and and, and and my first speaker canceled, and I asked somebody else, and then they canceled. He said, Could you help me out? Well, I found out when I got there, he didn't even know I've ev- ever done marriage retreats before. In fact, he said, My wife said, You got Brother Wright coming. This is a call to war. Well, you. <laughs> You could probably say, in some situations, that marriage retreat and call to war is really kind of similar, because I've married a lot of folks that it started the war. I told those folks, I said, you know, I've stopped doing premarital counseling. I did. I stopped a long time ago. It's what a waste of time, because two people about to get married. They don't believe a word you say. They think they more know a whole lot more about marriage than you do. Why am I going to sit there talking to them about marriage when they're not listening? Right. No, I'm going to wait till they finally figure out they don't know what they're doing. And now they want to hear, they want some help. Now they'll listen. Now it's worth the investment of time. Before then, nah, not so much. No, no, uh, it's what a waste. So <laughs> I was there. And 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 after I got off the phone with him, and I, I just I don't want to go through the process, but I I my spirit becomes very focused on a situation when I really believe it's the will of God, and I'm listening. I'm listening, I'm not trying to come up with something to say. I'm listening, and and just in a very short amount of time, the Lord God gave me a, a, a word and a direction for the first session, a word and direction for the second session, but he didn't he didn't give me a word for the third session. And I'm going, okay, 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 all right, all right, Lord, you know what you're doing, I, you know. I, I'm sure you'll fill in the blank when it's time. Fine, no problem. And uh, so I bought a ticket to come home late yesterday evening from Boston to, to get down here from the refrigerator. It was 17 degrees there yesterday morning, not at night, in the daytime. Yeah, so I was happy to come home. Don't tell me this is cold, this is not cold. Okay. So I, I was on the phone with the superintendent about a week ago and he and he uh and, and I said, Hey, uh what, what time are we done uh Saturday afternoon? Because I was trying to figure because it was over an hour drive to get from where we were to the back to, to the airport. And he said, uh uh there's only one session on Saturday, Saturday morning. Well, I wasn't scheduled to get home till after eleven last night. And I thought okay. And uh, so I thought about it. I I said, no, no, no. I I called him, like I said, if I can get an earlier flight out, would it be okay with you? I don't want to be offensive here, but I really would like to get home early rather than later. He said, sure, there's no problem. He said, as as long as the speaker gets done in time. So when I got up yesterday morning and uh, I... I said to the crowd, I said, you know, uh, I found out there's no afternoon session, so I changed my ticket, and Brother Sterneman said, you'll make that flight as long as the speaker understands he needs to be through. And I looked at them and said, I consulted with the speaker before I changed my ticket, and he assured me that he would be finished by noon. And he gave me peace to change my ticket. And I looked at them and they finally understood what I was saying. Right. Because I didn't have the authority to cut that session short myself. Hello, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right. So he says, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Wait, wait, wait. They had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'd been baptized in Jesus' name. They were doing manifestations of the Spirit, confirmation of the Word of God. They were doing all of that. They called Him Lord. And He said, I never knew you. Well, the problem is, of course, uh, even 20 years ago, 30 years ago probably, we would have been stuck with that because that's the English and... The Bible is not divinely inspired. There are no divinely inspired translations, only divinely inspired in its original languages. So I had the means to look up that word, never knew you, and I found that it doesn't mean he didn't have knowledge of who they were. He had, they had never come into an approved relationship with him. wait a minute. He said, depart from me to people that have been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Lord, what am I supposed to do here? Well, How do I know if I'm saved or not? It's really simple. It honestly is. It's really simple. Whose will are you doing? Whose will governs you? See, because to be spiritual, the Greek word translated spiritual has two meanings to it. One means to be filled with the Spirit. But the second one means to be governed by the Spirit. So I'm not spiritual. I can be full of the Spirit and be carnal. Because unless I'm both filled with the Spirit and governed by the Spirit, I'm not spiritual. And apparently, being spiritual is an approved relationship while being carnal is not. Now, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And I am very well aware of how to read an audience. And about a third or more of you have completely turned me off. Not my problem. It's not my problem. That's your problem. Because if this is my message, you're free. You're clear. No problem. But if God gave me this to speak to you today, it's not my problem. Now it's between you and Him. And I understand. I understand flesh and will. I understand. I understand that. But <laughs> when you understand the word iniquity is the word to use to describe the first sin in heaven. Because I always thought and preached for many years that Satan's sin was pride. Find that verse. Find any verse that says that Satan sins was iniquity. That's why there are many called, but few chosen. Because a lot of people don't want to go to hell. But there's a lot of people that don't want to follow the will of the Father and go to heaven. Not happening. There's only going to be one will in heaven, that's the Father, and those that are going to heaven are those who choose to do the will of the Father. Now and, uh, oh Lord, have mercy, the pastor's nervous and everybody else is nervous you know everybody's nervous. You, you're going to run some people. I'm not running anybody off. I'm obeying God. And hear me right now, I understand. I like what I like. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go where I want to go. When I want to go there. I understand humanity. I understand flesh. I understand I got plenty of it. I got seventy almost 74 years worth of experience with flesh. I know right now. That if I don't go to heaven. I'm going to tell you why it is. It won't be because of the devil. And it won't be because of the world. It'll be because I listen to this and not God. This is the only thing that can cause me to be lost right here. Nothing else can cause me to be lost but this right here. And you know, this is the amazing thing about God. God is so loving and He's so kind and He's so patient. Long-suffering. I've said to Him many times, in fact, over the last couple of months or so, there's been occasions I've just said to Him, Father, I just... I just I just don't understand how you can be this patient with me. I don't understand how you can be this long suffer. I don't understand it. And of course the answer is love. But love doesn't excuse it. It just waits on it. Love doesn't approve of doing wrong. Love just makes him patient to give us as much opportunity as possible. To get it right. The idea that love, He loves us so much that God is, a good God wouldn't send anybody to hell. He's not sending anybody to hell. We choose whether or not to go. We alone are accountable for our own decisions. I'm accountable, you're accountable, nobody else is accountable for our decisions but me personally, you personally for yours. Nobody else is accountable. And if I choose to do things that are contrary to the word and he doesn't fry me to a, a pile of ashes, then he must be okay with this. Let me tell you something after 51 years of marriage. You don't divorce over every Disagreement. You say, well, that's obvious. Is it? If it was so obvious, we'd understand God better. You don't divorce over every disagreement. And so, He doesn't get rid of us just because we're doing it our way. Now, His patience and love here and now, is it's long. From a human perspective, from a time perspective, his, 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 his patience and long suffering is long from a temporal perspective. It's long. But if he wouldn't let Lucifer, the archangel, stay in heaven because of iniquity, he's not welcoming anybody else there who works iniquity either. It's not. Now, (laughs) how, how, how how do I know, Brother Wright, if I'm working iniquity? Well, if your favorite words are something along the line of, I want, I like, I will. I don't mean this disrespectfully of anyone, but every one of us worships the unholy Trinity. Me, my, and mine. And that's idolatry. Me, my, and mine. Now. I really do understand. I do. I do understand. I don't do this perfectly. That's why I need a Savior every day. I've never done this perfectly. And as long as I got this stuff and I'm still living in this, I'm not going to do it perfectly because (laughs) this flesh uh, knows it's temporary. And its it's relationship to this world is temporary because this world is temporary love not the world first john chapter 2 verse 5 neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him now he did john didn't write that in first john chapter 2 to the world he wrote that to the church so to the church he said to the church to the people in the church he said love not the world neither the things that are in the world If any man love love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you study out what the pride of life is, it's the desire to be in control. I want to be in control. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. How does it say that? But of the world. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. And here you go, next verse. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, If you're living under the impression that God is so kind to you, he lets you run your own life and it's okay with him, that's called deception. You deceive me, that's bad. I deceive myself, not good. I deceive myself, that's not good. It's not good. God's not okay with me deceiving myself. I shouldn't be okay with deceiving myself. Oh, wait. (laughs) You see, this is the big kicker, isn't it? Because if you do the will of God, He doesn't let you fit in here in this world. In fact, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And the word, come out from among them and be ye separate. The word separate there, according to the Greek, is to set apart by boundaries. And what is our problem with boundaries? They conflict with our will. So it's not about, it's not about... Rules and regulations. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's all really ultimately about. My will. Or his will. That's what it's about. It's not rules and regulations. Well, this church says I can't do this. I can't do that. I got no, no, no. No. You can't be saved by doing the do's. And not doing the don'ts. You can't do that. Because. The do's I do. I do because I'm saved. And the don'ts I don't. Because I'm saved. And the only way I can get past this flesh who wants to do the don'ts and not do the (laughs) do's is to submit myself and my will to God. Now, I again confess to you that any individual, male or female, who's ever stood there and swore an oath to uphold and defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign, domestic. Now, I'll tell you what. Even though it does not say, it does not say, and I'll give my life. Everybody standing there knows I'm going to give my life. And if I end up finishing all of that service and I'm still alive, that's just a bonus. Because I've submitted myself to obey what all duly authorized individuals over me tells me to do and I do that in obedience to the word of God I do it in obedience to the word of God now just for the last few minutes here I'd like to give you a different perspective of sin Doing sin is not being moral, and not doing sin is not being immoral, and not doing sin is not being moral. That's not God's perspective on sin. I was looking at it again this morning. In fact, I, I, I got a new direction for studying all this I really had never exactly had before, and I, I can't wait to get at it to, to to let him explain all this to me. But basically, In Romans chapter 4, verse 6, where Paul is quoting David in the Old Testament, he says, David said, uh, Blessed is the man whose transgression, whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sin is covered. Why? Because sin isn't the issue as we think it is. Sin is only a symptom of iniquity. Iniquity is making my own decisions every act of sin whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission that's only symptomatic of the fact that i have i'm making my own decisions running my own life i'm not submitting to god's authority i'm doing what seems right to me but the scripture says the uh there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the ends thereof are the ways of death i don't see anything wrong with this I don't see anything wrong with that I don't see anything yes I know the Bible talked about you there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death why? because it's man putting his own judgment on things I don't see anything wrong with that my will says that's okay God's will says no it's not what are you going to do? what's the choice? So some of you think here, well, you got rules and regulations we've got to conform to. No, you you don't get it. We didn't get these rules and regulations out of opinion. We got these rules and regulations, as you might call them, out of the book. But all they are there for is as indicators to me of where I am in doing my will or God's will. Because frankly if I've submitted my will to God's will, there isn't anything God tells me to do that I'm going to do. Without me, you can do nothing. So the point here is this. If keeping the rules saved me and not keeping the rules caused me to be lost, then it wouldn't be about will. I could live by the rules and the rest of the time I could run my own life. But the rules aren't about rules. The rules are only indicators of where I am in between doing my will or God's will. That's all it is. So the issue here is not what we teach. I don't agree with what you teach there. Okay. How about this I'm teaching? Whose will are you following? Are you surrendered to the authority of the Word of God that's forever settled? Heaven and earth's gonna pass away, but his word's not gonna ever pass away? That's pretty solid authority right there, isn't it? Heaven and is gonna heaven and earth's gonna pass away, but my word's not gonna pass away. Are you submitted to the Word of God, which is the authority of God? And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. And glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that flesh that clothed that Word is what died on the cross to save you and I. And I cannot say I believe in Jesus, but not the Bible, because He is the Word made flesh. And I can't reject the authority of the Word without rejecting Jesus. i say it again. I can tell myself I'm a believer all I want. But I'm not, I'm not a believer that he approves of if I'm running my own life instead of letting him run my life. Now, very quickly, and I've already passed the few moments I was going to talk about this in, but this is critical here today. Okay? The word sin is not referring to breaking rules. It comes from the root word that means missing the mark. And it means missing. I just read this. I can read it right out of uh, Strong's this morning. I've got it, I've copied and pasted it in my notes. Strong says it means missing the mark to the point of losing out on your share or portion. So the point here is this. Sin is not breaking the rules and not sinning is not keeping the rules. Sinning is or not sinning is qualifying or disqualifying myself for my foreordained, preordained share and portion of God that was established before the foundation of the world. Because each one of us is uniquely Is you created unique in God. And he has a plan and a place for us in his purpose. Every last one of us. And so you can come to church faithfully. You can be the best helper this pastor's got. And yet run your own life. And disqualify yourself. Because to get your portion of share. You simply have to do the will of the Father. And to be disqualified from your portion or share, you simply do your own will rather than the Father's. And it is possible to be very religious and run your own life. You can be the first one at every church service and the last one to leave. You can be the one that helps; is willing to do anything you can to help. Because guess what? You control that. Because the issue is who's going to be in control? See, that was what iniquity was in Lucifer. He didn't want God in heaven making the decisions for him anymore. He wanted to make his own decisions. It got him kicked out of heaven. That's why I'm saying to you that those that have truly served in the military, not just put in your time, but you've truly served in the military, you've truly served this country in the military you got a little bit of a head start on folks because you understand you may still have your likes and dislikes but when the will of those that are in authority over you are contrary to those likes and dislikes you don't have to make a choice you've already made a choice you made a choice when you raised your right hand and said I do solemnly swear to uphold and defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic I made the choice right then And so when the will of those in authority over me contradicts my will, I've made the choice already. I don't have to battle that out. I don't have to battle that out. I may not like what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. You see, this is what's so amazing about God. I may not like how he expects me to live, what he expects me to do, how he expects me to look. I may not like that. But the key is, am I doing it? That's the key. Am I doing it my way, doing my thing, or am I doing my will my way? What am I doing? Now, when I accepted the invitation to be the speaker today, this was a, if it's possible, I'm speaking rhetorically, obviously, and metaphorically, uh, this was a million miles from my mind. I was searching in the spirit for something evangelistic preach happy to do that but here's the great thing about this okay you know what the the beauty of the, the job of the bishop is I get to play the bad guy and he gets to play the good guy and so next time when you hear I'm coming to speak you may choose to find a reason to be absent and that's fine because I acknowledge to you today this is not the kind of talk you give to the troops immediately under you most of the time you know it was we had a company commander at the Naval Academy we had a company commander there was 120 of us four different classes and uh we're all in this company. And the company commander, he, he, we, he's the guy we saw every day. But every once in a while, we would be addressed by the commandant of Midshipmen or the superintendent of the academy. And he his message was a little more pointed. Okay? So I'm saying to you today, you can choose to put a face and a voice and a persona on this message and say I don't like that from him I'm not taking it not a problem but I'm asking you to do yourself this one favor would you I'm asking you please could you be honest enough with yourself and with God right now to ask him and say now God have you spoken to me today is this you talking to me? And God, if this is you talking to me, in fact, I can't I can't make you bow your heads and I sure can't make you think what you're going to think or say what you're going to say, but could I invite you just for a moment here right where you are in private. You close your closet doors with your eyelids. So when you close your closet doors, you go in private. And you don't have to talk out loud. You just whisper if you want so nobody can hear whatever. But could I ask you today for your soul's sake? Could I ask you? Could I ask you to ask God, Lord, are you speaking to me today? And if you are, would you give me the grace to receive this word and to live what you're speaking to me today? Would you give me that grace today, Father? Would you enable me to receive this Yes, the Lord understands this is not easy on the flesh. In fact, before in Golgotha, or excuse me, in the the, uh, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, before he was taken captive and crucified the next day, this was his prayer, this was his battle. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. The man Christ Jesus... Had to fight this same battle with himself as you and I do. He had to fight the same battle with himself that we have to fight. Whose will are we going to do? Are we going to do our will or our way? You know, I don't understand, I don't believe everything this church teaches. Oh, so you don't believe you're here in the will of God then, right? So God didn't know what we teach here when he put you here? Lord didn't know anything about that when He put you here. Well, I just don't—I don't agree with all that. Well, the first thing you got to settle is: Am I here in the will of God? Am I here in the will of God? Is this where God wants me to fellowship? Is this where God wants me to be a part of the body? Is this what—is this where God wants me to be? Because if it is. Then what's taught here, you then become accountable for. Even if you, well, I don't believe that. Well, right now, today, it's not what you believe about in particular. It's whose will are you going to follow. Depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. I don't know what those words do to you, but they send a chill up and down my spine. And they cause a cry to rise from my heart that says, no, God, no, no. Don't listen to me, Lord. Don't listen, don't, don't listen to my flesh. Don't listen to me. Whatever you've got to do, God, to help me to get in alignment with you. Don't let me settle for less than that, Father. Whatever you've got to do. I've prayed that way many times. Whatever you've got to do. In fact, Job's wife said to him why don't you charge God and die and he said you speak like a like those that don't believe there's a God a foolish woman he wasn't talking about females, he wasn't talking about fools, he was talking about those that denied God the fool that said in his heart there's no God why? because the Bible says Job did not charge God foolishly well I can charge God and I have many times Yes, I have. I've charged my father this way. Father, in in Jesus' name I charge you that whatever you've got to do to save me, do it. Whatever you've got to let me go through, whatever you've got to put me through, whatever you've got to, to give me or take from me, whatever you've got to do, don't let me be lost. I know you can't exercise my will. I'm. You can't. You can't violate my will. I'm exercising my will right now, Father. I am. I am exercising my will to say to you right now, whatever you've got to do, don't let me be lost. Don't let me be lost. I know you've got to take down. I understand that. I understand. But I'm asking you right now. Right where you are, you don't need to raise your hands. You don't have to move a muscle. But I'm begging you for your own soul's sake. Could you get honest before God? Could you let the Lord help you to deny the lies of justification you've been telling yourself and say, okay, God, show me your will. Make it plain to me from your word. And then give me the grace to keep it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.